We are in a, the middle of a series that we started last week that's called, Is This Right? Is This Right? We're in part two today, and what we're doing is, this came out of, it kind of was birthed out of uh, me standing at the exit doors. As everybody leaves, I kind of stand at the, at the exit, and I shake hands with people. Goodbye, God bless you. And we, sometimes we have like short conversations with folks. Tony's actually there with me. We're both standing there saying goodbye to people, and and. Actually, many times we have conversations with people and, and different topics come up and we talk about these different topics. And, and I thought as these different uh, topics were coming up that, you know, I bet you there's more people who are wondering or maybe struggling through or stumbling over how to answer some of these questions because they would, is this right? Like that's how they would finish. I told them this, is this right? Or I'm not sure where. And I said, well, why don't we just dedicate a series to doing this on Sunday mornings? And so... I have to tell you that after we got done last Sunday, um, I got quite a bit of feedback, positive feedback, which I was really encouraged. I was ready for whatever, um, but I got a lot of positive feedback, and, and you know, it's a three-part series. That's what I have slated, but as we've begun to do this, it seems like it might be a little longer, but we're still going to keep it to three, um, and we might come back and revisit it before the year's over. This Is This Right Part 2, Episode 2. I don't know. We'll see. And so I also said to you last week that, that uh, this is a little bit of a different format. We're still going to open the Bible. That's what we do here. Every Sunday, we're going to open the Bible. But it's a little bit of a different format than what we normally do on a, on a Sunday morning. So if you're new, this is not what we typically do. But hey, it's all good, right? So if you have your Bible, speaking of which, if you would open them up to the book of John chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 14. And this is like the verse that we're going to look at for our series. This is like our key verse for the series. You guys found John chapter 1, verse 14? We're going to break it out. This is the same verse we read last week. We're reading it again this week and again the following week. You ready? And it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The writer of this book of John chapter 1, this is how he describes the Son of God, Jesus, right? And we are the body of Christ. And so it says here that Jesus was full of grace. Everybody say grace. And truth. Everybody say truth. You heard me talk a little bit about this last week, that Jesus, when he was here on earth, he was described as being one full of grace and truth. And we now are the body of Christ, and so we we want to emulate and mirror who he was now that we're here. We're his body. We want to be full of grace and truth as well. And so I said this last week that today and the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking, well, actually, next week will be part three, so it'll be our last week. We're going to be talking about some, some stuff, some stuff, okay? And so if you came here today for a condemnation of a person or a group of people, that's not what's going to happen. Doral Vineyard Church is full of grace. Everybody say grace. grace. We believe that Jesus came for everyone, and he came to heal the sick and the hurting and the brokenhearted. And so we're full of grace, full of grace. And for far too long, I think the church of Jesus has been known more for what we are against than what we are for. And so we are a church that we are going to be for, and we're going to continue to strive for for, for the glory of God. What are we for? We're for the redemption of all people who are far from God, being brought near to Jesus through the gospel. That's what we're for, and that's what we stand for. That's what we're going to fight for. We're full of grace. With that in mind, we are full of truth. Everybody say truth. 
truth, which means that if you came here today thinking that I was going to condone any particular lifestyle that you choose to live or any particular habits that you have in your life, you're going to be disappointed as well because sin comes with a high price tag. It is destructive, and God tells us not to do certain things in our lives, not because he's trying to be this, this cosmic ogre in the sky, but because he loves you and he wants the absolute best for your life. And so as we talk about these things today, I want you to keep those things in mind, that God knows what is best for you, and he shows us in his word what is his best. And if we live according to his word, we're going to experience joy-filled, love-filled lives. Can you guys say yes? yes? So, let me tell you what my aim is today. My aim is, I'm going to cover some topics, as we did last week, that may be a little controversial, may sound even a little political, it may make you a little bit nervous, so let me cover the ground rules, okay? So I believe that the Bible is the word of God. And so whenever the Bible speaks clearly, I will take a stand on that. If it hurts your feelings, I'm sorry, but I will stand true to what the Bible says. If the Bible does not speak clearly toward the subject, then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look for principles to apply, and I will tell you when I'm doing that, okay? I'm, I'm looking at principles, okay? If the Bible doesn't speak clearly, I'm just gonna say, I don't know, or I may give you my opinion. I'm gonna tell you, look, this is what I think, and I'll let you know when I'm giving you my opinion. And, you know, with my opinion, you guys, you do have the right to disagree because we all have the right to disagree. We all have the right to be wrong if you want to be. Just kidding. That was a joke. Um, okay? Well, we don't have to agree on everything, but we will do this in love and in friendship. We're going to do this and be friendly towards each other. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, let's do this. Let's dive in. One of the subjects that I've had, had conversations with, and it seems to be somewhat of a hot button with people, is the topic of tattoos. Should a follower of Jesus have a tattoo? If you have a tattoo, aren't you glad you came to church today? This is great. Let me tell you this. 40% of people in our country between the ages of 26 and 40 have a tattoo. So there's a little bit of a craze around right in our time right now about getting tattoos. Now, when I was growing up, the craze wasn't so much about tattoos as much as it was about ear piercings, and particularly male ear piercings, okay? I remember I've always wanted my ear pierced since I was 12 years old, okay? And um, I, I lived, I grew up in the inner city, all my friends had it, and I remember, in fact, when I was 16 years old, that um, I went to go get my learner's permit, and right before I took the picture to stand up, my wife, my wife, my mom, sorry, <laughs> my mom, my wife, that would be weird at 16. Okay, my mom, although, anyway, okay, so my mom, she's standing there, and what I did was right before the picture, I went and took her clip-on yellow big hoop earring, and I put it on my ear, and I took the picture, and I actually looked, ransacked my house looking for that embarrassing picture so I could show you on the big screen, but I couldn't find it, so I apologize, I know, I know, that's like, ransom money right there. You guys could really use that on me. But so, um, so I've always wanted to do that. So this is my, my little story. So at, um, at, that was at 16, and my parents sat me down. They knew I always wanted one, and, and they said, look, we're going to tell you that we're not going to stop you from getting it if that's what you want. Um, we will tell you. It's not our preference. 
Um, and so I had that in the back of my mind, and I really wanted one, but I also at that time was a youth leader in my church. I was a, a student um, leader, and, and I also thought about uh, the ramifications of me at 16, thinking about all this stuff. But I was thinking about the impact, because there was other little kids younger than me, older than me, parents, would be, I want my kid to be like yours. And I would think about, you know, how, it, how easy influence I could, inf I mean, just the way I dressed, they would dress, if I would wear whatever. Back in my days, it was the overalls, and you'd sag them. Anyway, people would dress that way. So, you know, I thought about that, earrings, you know, it's not that big a deal, I just, I'll wait. So I didn't get it. Also, I was thinking, in a year, I'm moving. I'm going to school 2,000 miles away. I get to do whatever I want. So I'll just wait a year. I won't be, you know, a youth leader then. And so I went off 2,000 miles away to school, and I was like, yes, this is my chance. And I went to this small uh, private Christian school that actually had rules. And one of their rules was that I couldn't have any facial hair and that I had to wear a, a tie every single day to class, and I couldn't have any body piercings and i was like no i waited a year to get this and i can't so didn't get it and waited till i graduated actually thought about this on my graduation day can't wait to get my ears pierced from 12 years old it was a dream you guys it was a dream so i, I get i graduate i'm about to um get my ears pierced but i started working as a youth pastor and so there I am, thinking the same thing as a student leader. Oh my gosh, I have parents and the kids, and what do I do? I don't want to really influence them. It's okay, Pastor Hoppy got these. We can do this too. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. So I did the youth pastor thing for a few years, and then I stopped. And on my 26th birthday, I went and I got my ears pierced. I did. I went all, I, went, I still remember like it was yesterday. I walked in, and, and the guy who pierced my ears was this, if anybody knows wrestling, Bam Bam Bigelow. He looked like Bam Bam Bigelow, big, you know, bulky guy, bald-headed with a tattoo on his forehead. And, and, you know, I was thinking I was going to get my ears pierced like they do the little girls in the mall with the little gun, and, you know. No, these spikes, and, and so the big guy just sticks these spikes in my ears, and I look in the mirror, and I'm like, it's not even. It doesn't look good. And I, told, and I was like, I don't know if I should tell him. He's a big, burly guy, but I, it's my birthday. I want these right. So I told him, and he said, I can fix it. Boom, he stuck me again in the same ear on this side. I had two holes in here. And so it did look better, and I loved it for like a few months. And then I moved to Miami, and um, I couldn't find a job. And I just felt like every time I went to get a job, people were like, and so I felt like I couldn't get it. For like six months, I couldn't find work. And then all of a sudden, I decided, let me take the earrings off and see what happens. And then I started getting offers and, you know, job offers and, and open doors. And I'm like, oh, curious how people are, right? These things are a deterrent. So, so, you know, at night, I would put them back on. On the weekends, I'd put them. Then I was like, this is too much work. Forget it. And so now, you can't even tell I had earrings because I've got hair where I don't want it. And then now where I really want it, you know, 43 is hard. It gets, it gets hard at this age. But the reason I'm telling you that whole story, right? You're like, where is he going with this? Um, is because actually, the verse that I would hear growing up about don't get your ears pierced, was this is the same verse that a lot of people feel like as a follower of Jesus you shouldn't get tattoos it's the same verse so I'm going to read it to you in a few minutes but some Christians feel like no you should not get tattoos other people feel like no this is you know just an expression it depends on the tattoo and so Pastor Abdi what do you think here's my answer I'm going to tell you tattoos as well as piercings can be controversial in different circles and particularly Christian circles some people would say, oh no, you can't do that. That's a sign of rebellion. 
Others would say, well, hey, tattoos are just an artistic expression on my body. Some would say, oh, no, it's dangerous, it's satanic, it's cultish practice. Others would simply say, no, it's really just a personal expression. And so the bottom line is that it isn't so much what people think or what I think. It's what does the Bible actually say, right? What does the Bible actually say about tattoos? And so the answer is not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. There's one verse that speaks directly to tattoos, and it's found in Leviticus 19, verse 28, where the Bible says, do not cut your bodies. Cut your bodies. That's the whole verse about piercings as well. People say that. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Now, you could say that this is pretty clear right here. This is God talking about tattoos. You should not have a tattoo, right? Well, to understand this verse, you kind of have to put this verse, this text, in the context of the whole chapter. Let's look at what Leviticus 19 as a whole is saying, because if you look at it as a whole, you'll get a better understanding. What's going on here in Leviticus 19? What's going on is that the people of God had been taken out of captivity from the Egyptians. All right? The Egyptians had had them for 400 years, and they had just been taken out been rescued by God out of bondage. They had just crossed the Red Sea, and God was telling them, I don't want you to take on the pagan practices of the Egyptians. I don't want you to be like them, okay? And just so you would know, when Egyptians, what they would do is the, that when someone would die, a relative would die, the remaining relative, they would often cut into their body to let out what was known as the lifeblood, okay? This was a pagan ritual, and God said, don't do that, okay? Some would also tattoo on their bodies pictures of pagan gods, and again, the one true God said, I don't want you to do that. So, if you want to take Leviticus 19 literally, we need to be careful, because this is part of the Old Testament law, which was fulfilled in the New Testament by Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? It's saying that Jesus came and fulfilled the law. Leviticus 19 is part of the Old Testament law. In that law, we were sacrificing animals and birds and stuff to, be, uh, to appease the God. And in the New Testament, God says, you don't have to do that anymore. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Now, there's no need for these animal bird sacrifices. I'm the perfect sacrifice. So we no longer have to do that. Now, does that mean that we just leave Leviticus 19 and we never read it and it never applies to us? No, it's in the Bible from cover to cover. It's in, God left it in there because he wanted us to learn from it. What can we learn from Leviticus 19? Well, let's look at it a little more. So if we want to go with this verse about tattoos, the Leviticus 19 also says, do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip the edges of your beard. This means for girls and guys, you guys can't shave, you can't cut your hair, right? It also says, do not wear clothing wo woven of two kinds of material. Oops, I think we're all do doing that right now. We're all doing that right now, and so we do that every day. So in summary, the scripture that people use to be against tattoos in Leviticus 19 is not so much talking about tattoos as much as it is talking about idolatry. And that still applies today. Don't take on the pagan practices of the Egyptians that is going to lead you to worship their false 
God's. Again, God wants the best for us, for our lives. He, he doesn't want you to fall into the trap that's going to lead you down the wrong path, that's going to put distance between you and him. And so now, some of my Christian friends that are very pro-tattoos, they make a very good argument that a Christian tattoo can be a very good witness or a good conversation starter. So all I'm saying is that the Bible doesn't say a whole lot on it. But I will say, if you are considering getting a tattoo, there are a couple things to think about. First of all, you might be considered rebellious by some. If you're going in for a job interview, like what happened to me, let's say, for example, or meeting someone for the very first time, people can be very judgmental. And they may look at the outside and make a judgment on you. And so it's something to think about. Secondly, you need to remember that you might be making a decision that you would later regret. I had a friend of mine who, his, he put his girlfriend's name on the back of his right here. And he married a totally different girl. And so it was very awkward, right? He has this other lady's name on the back. And so, um, you know, think about that what looks good at 22 can look very saggy at 62. And so just think about it. If you are 19 years old and you're living with mom and dad and you're like, they're paying the bills and you're, I want to get a tattoo. And mom and dad say, no, guess what? There's no tattoo, right? If my kids ask me, Daddy, can I get a tattoo? I'm going to tell them, I don't think so. Not right now, okay? And when they're grown-ups, if they want to get a tattoo, I'm going to simply say, all right, let's make sure it's something that you want forever, in a place that you want forever, and in a size that you want forever. And I'm not going to recommend that they get it, but again, it's like a haircut. It's like a style. It's the outside. And what the scriptures teach us is that it's what's on the inside that matters most. So that's my take on tattoos. Fair enough? You alive? You still here? You still with me? That one didn't upset you? Well, this one might. Okay, homosexuality. Let's talk about this. Another hot topic. And the question is, is it a sin? People have made comments to me like, well, I think I know what the church's stance is. You know, it was years and years ago, but isn't it a bit archaic? I mean, with the prevalence of it in our culture, is it still wrong? Okay, so before I answer that question, I want to give you guys, uh, from a biblical perspective, I, 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 I want to tell you a story. Let me tell you a story, okay? When I was 18 years old, I went to Spain to study abroad. And I was in a new city, first day in this new city, and I was by myself, and I went to the park, and I sat at, at the middle of the park. There was this beautiful fountain with water, and, and I'm sitting on one of the benches with my Bible and my prayer journal, and I'm staring at the fountain. I'm like, this is such a great moment, and I'm by myself, all right? And um, while I was there, this guy comes over to me, and he starts hitting on me. Now, I'm 18 years old, had no idea what was going on, and he's talking to me, and he's being friendly. And I'm like, cool. I mean, I had traveled all day. I had dealt with a lot of rude people. I mean, I was, you know, having to speak a language that I wasn't completely comfortable with, and they were very not patient with me. And so I, I had dealt with that all day, and finally I get to this place, and there's a nice person talking to me. And so I start talking back, and, and we, we start engaging in this conversation. And, and I'm just thankful that there's somebody friendly. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a conversationalist. I love to talk most of the time. And so somebody wants to talk. Yeah, let's talk. So we're talking, and, and eventually the conversation evolved and to a point where uh, the guy felt comfortable enough to ask me the question. So, are you gay? And 
I have to tell you how I responded. I will tell you that um, I didn't respond in the way that I am proud of, actually. Um, I responded in a way that, that later I felt I shouldn't have done that because I've been asked that question once I moved to Miami, interestingly enough, again and again. And um, I learned that the way I responded, I could have done it a different way because when I look at the scriptures and I read about Jesus and I read about his interactions with people who are far from God, I didn't do it. I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. And I wish I would have responded. From what I read in the scriptures, Jesus, um, he responded in ways of love. His, his, he, he was, everything he said, was he responded to a bunch. You read the stories in the Gospels. Bunch of different questions he was asked. Easily enough to get offended, let me tell you. But he responded, his root was love. And it's a great starting place. And if I was to ask any of us, all of us here today, hey, don't do it, but hey, raise your hand. Well, let's do it. Raise your hand if you know someone who's gay. Raise your hand. All right, so that's virtually all of us. All of us here would say we know someone. So do I. So there is more, this is more and more common in our world today, particularly in our culture and particularly in our city. And so as I try to answer this question, it's from this context, knowing and having friendships with people who are gay. Here's what the Bible says is homosexuality a sin. In the Old Testament, we are told that when a man lays with another man, he would lay with, or I'm sorry, when a man lays with another man as he would lay with a woman, the Bible says it is detestable. New Testament, Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 24. <clears throat> Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. So scripture is very, very clear. This is a sin. Now, we didn't come today to single out a certain group of people when it comes to sexual sins, so you need to know that this church believes that all sex outside of the way that the Bible describes it which is within the confines of marriage between a man and a woman is sexual sin. And that includes adultery, pornography, or fornication, or homosexual activity, or whether that's lust in someone's heart. We did not come here today. Jesus said that, right? That that's the same as adultery in your heart. And so today we didn't come to try to condemn anyone, and we have not come today to take a soft stance on the issue of sin. But because we are a church that is full of grace and truth, lifting up Jesus, standing on the Bible, we're going to talk about this. Now, I will say that the church, in my opinion, as a whole, we have not got this right. How to love the LGBTQ community, we haven't got it right. And we need to repent. I really, it's not in my notes, but as we were praying earlier, the, the prayer team had me in the prayer room. I felt like I needed to say that. We have not got it right. We've missed it, and we need to repent, and we need to learn how to love as Jesus loved. And so the next question that a lot of people ask me, well, but aren't people born gay? 
are people born gay? And I will say that since I'm not a doctor nor a scientist, I don't feel qualified to answer that question from that perspective. But from a pastoral perspective, I feel completely qualified to answer and say that all people are born sinners. And we were all born bent toward sin. So my two boys, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, and in case you didn't know, and, and I've seen them act in ways that I never thought. Some of the things they say, I'm like, where, even before they went to school, where did you get that? Where did you hear that from? How could you even do this? Where, where is this from, right? Shocked me. I remember saying that. So, well, how did you even act this way? But because they are bent towards sin, or even a particular sin, it doesn't mean we have a license to engage in that sin. For example, there have been many people in my family, I, I have a family full of alcoholics, I do. And science would tell me, would tell me that I am bent, I am born bent toward with the propensity, right, to become an alcoholic. Does that mean that I have now a license to become a drunkard? Again, I would say absolutely not. No matter what I am bent toward, Scripture is our standard of truth. And some people have, have wanted to know, well, can those who struggle with homosexuality, can they become a follower of Jesus? And my take is, yes, yes, they can. Just as someone who struggles with adultery or lust or lying, as they are pursuing Christ, they may still be tempted, just as I am tempted to lie or to lust, to be tempted is not to sin, and even though we do sin, our sins can be forgiven. We continue to pursue Christ. And I personally believe that, that someone who struggles and yet is pursuing Christ can be a follower of Christ. Some people ask me, well, can a gay person change? I have had friends who were gay and are no longer. If they were here, they would stand up and tell you, I was gay, I'm no longer gay, they could, I'm living proof. You know who else would tell you that? Paul. Paul the Apostle in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 12, not just speaking about homosexuality, but speaking about things that virtually every single one of us would deal with at one point in our lives or another. He said, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, listen to the key verse. Keep reading. Let's keep reading together. Look what he says. And this is what some of you were. Can you change? You are not now. This is what you were. You have been changed. You were, but now you're not. Let's keep reading. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. No matter what sin you are bound by, you can be set free. Jesus said, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. Can a person change from any type of sin? And the answer, unquestionably, by the power of Christ, you can. And so if you would bow your heads, I want to take a moment and pray this powerful truth over our lives. There is no sin, no matter how strong of a hold it has on you, 
that God can't break. God can break every sin in our lives that we invite him into. And so as we're praying today, Father, I just, I want to ask you right now that you would take the topics that we've covered today, but more importantly, the power of your spirit and the truth of your word, and use it to minister hope and life to those who are hurting. And as you're praying, I just know in groups this size that there are some of you that you are in a dark spot right now, and you may, you may just say, Pastor Abdi, would you, would you just pray for me? You may be trapped in some sort of sinful behavior right now, and, and, and you're, you're, you're not sure. You think that there's no way you can get out. And I want to tell you that through Christ, you can get out. You may be in a relationship that is so bad that you feel like it can never go good again. I just want to tell you that in Christ, there is always hope. You may have had a bad report from a doctor, maybe for your body or someone that you love. I would say in Christ, the great physician, there is healing. You may be so depressed today, and you just don't even know which way to turn. In Christ, he can renew your mind. He can touch your body. You guys, there is always hope. If you're hurting today, maybe you're a little bit afraid, maybe you're depressed, maybe you feel like you're trapped, and you would like prayer, I would be honored to pray for you. Let's pray together. Father, I do, I pray that your presence right now, that your Holy Spirit would minister to all of those people in need. And God, I thank you that you do not know the, that, that you do know, not that you don't know, that you do know the intimate details of each situation. And I ask God that you would work to bring healing, to bring life, to bring hope, to bring joy, to bring peace, oh God, that your presence would be enough. And God, I pray that where there is bondage, that there would be freedom. For everyone who finds Christ would be set free. I pray, God, that your risen Son, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would minister today. And God, I believe you are doing so even now. And as you keep praying today, you may find yourself with a lot of spiritual questions. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Just throw your life toward God today. Just say, God, take it. And I hope today that the verses that we looked at showed you very clearly that you can never be made right with God on your own, that you're only made right with God by faith and by what his son Jesus did for us.